0: Lord, teach us to live for you a life that shall be shining for your glory and that people shall look at us and know that there is a God that lives way up there in heaven. We know that this is a mandate that has been laid upon us. And Father, forgive us because many times we live lives that are shame you and sometimes we don't know that our, effects, our lives are affecting others and they are bringing them low and they are taking them away from you. We pray that our lives shall shine such so that the heathen shall come to you. In Jesus' my name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Um, Friends, sometimes I am um, you know, challenged by men like Paul, and when you think of the things that he did or the Lord used him to do, even giving up um, the, uh, the, the, his right to marriage, I, I look at men like Paul and I am really amazed. I, I wonder, I'm baffled, I'm beaten. Do you know that Paul traversed you know, lands unknown before, going over uh, the waters, and you know mountains and valleys and nights. And you know, when you look at uh, what he basically does in, uh, you get to look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven from verse thirty-three, and you look at the suffering that he had to endure uh, for the gospel. You really get to uh, to get challenged, and uh, even the greatest of people in our generation is. Um, you know, cartooned by what Paul did and people of that nature. Um, Today, we want to talk about a topic that is entitled um, Shining for God, Shining for God with a Life of a Testimony or with an Impacting Life of a Testimony, Shining for the Lord with an Impacting Life uh, of a Testimony. My name is uh, Elevantevi Kabwa that is reaching you with the word of the Lord um, right there where you are. Friends, the Lord has created us for his own glory, and uh, we are meant to live these lives uh, basically in a way that glorifies him. But oftentimes we miss the mark because we even get to the point of using what God has given unto us to either exalt ourselves or put others down, you see. So today we are going to look at uh, shining for the Lord with a a transforming life of a testimony or with uh, a life of impact or or, 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 or with a testimony. We are looking at 1 Kings chapter 10 and uh, it's the life of uh, Solomon here that we are looking at and the Queen of Sheba coming to visit him. We are going to put things in perspective. The Bible says, now when the Queen of Sheba um, heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord... She came to test him with difficult questions. And so she came to Jerusalem with a large uh, retinue, uh, with camels carrying spices and very uh, much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, um the house uh, that he had built, uh, the food of his, ta- uh, of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, uh, the, and their attire, his cupbearers, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Uh, there was no more spirit in her. Then uh, she said to k- the king, uh, it was a true report which I had in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe uh, the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, um, the half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity um, the report which I had. How blessed are your men and how blessed are those servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted you uh, to set you in th- on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. And uh, she gave the king a 120 talents of gold and a very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such an abundance of spices come in as that which um, the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. What a wonderful recollection here that we are getting to look at. Friends, this is a famous story, but that has been quite misunderstood and misinterpreted in many circles when you get to hear that. You've had people who have said and uh, uh, have alleged that uh, the Queen of Sheba actually was from Ethiopia and that when she came to Jerusalem, she had a son with uh, Solomon and so on and so forth. Now, there's no biblical evidence to get to speak of that, uh, but uh, rather we have to look at the Bible and see what it says. Now, like we do here on this channel, basically, what we basically do is uh, to unveil and unpack the truth as presented by the Bible in context and in proper biblical perspective by examining the entire biblical framework and how things uh, come out and develop. At the point where we are, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 10, Solomon has basically um, ruled for about 20 years. He has built uh, the temple of the Lord and is also done with building his own house and uh, that of his wife and his administrative quarters and a number of cities. Solomon was a builder. He had accomplished a number of projects. If uh, you go by um, the biography that we have at the end of chapter 9, so basically what we have here is that his wisdom had uh, gone far and wide, and God uh, presents him as the greatest of men in terms of wisdom and wealth. Uh, You see, when it comes to um first kings chapter 10 that is basically what we get to see he was wiser than any other person in terms of wisdom and uh, um wealth solomon had no equal not even david the great man that ruled before him that is what the bible uh, teaches in uh, first kings chapter 10 verse 23 it says so king solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and uh, wisdom so the account that we have before us is that the queen of sheba comes and uh, uh, comes to visit solomon but um verse one is very key in unpacking the purpose of the queen of sheba's visit here as we see now the bible says now when the queen of sheba had about the fame of solomon concerning the name of the lord and uh, the, the 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 name that is used there is one that points to a relationship and a personal connection with the Lord. She came to test him with difficult questions. So she came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue, uh, with camels, camels, and uh, carrying spices, very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Now what we see is that the queen of Sheba was coming to Solomon because of the wisdom that she had had, that Solomon had. So in a sense, and she acknowledges that the wisdom that Solomon had was a wisdom that she had, that he had received from God. So she's coming in that particular direction. The Queen of Sheba as we know from uh, biblical records was basically from the current day Yemen or from um, um, Arabia um, in the the, the southwestern part of Arabia about 1200 miles away from Jerusalem so you can get to see that for a queen as affluent and beautiful and powerful as she was to get to trek all that journey, she must have had a very strong conviction within her. Now, when you examine the New Testament, I wouldn't be wrong to say that the queen of Sheba was a, a seeker of sorts, was a divine seeker of sorts, and she seems not to have been enamored by, um, uh, you, you know, the gods of her land. She was a seeker. Now, the Bible doesn't directly say here that. Uh, she 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 believes in the God of Solomon. But when you study this, and we are going to see what Jesus says in uh, in Matthew chapter must be twelve uh, twelve and verse forty two, it actually comes to a point that uh, she was a seeker. But the point that we are making here is that Solomon had you know accumulated a lot of wealth, and then secondly had gotten a lot of wisdom, as we see in First Kings chapter three. He had gone to the Lord and had prayed prayed for wisdom, and God had given him wisdom. And because of that wisdom and wealth and the accomplishments and splendor that Solomon had been able to get to because of the wisdom, now the Queen of Sheba comes. Basically, the point that we are making here is that for Solomon as a believer, as far as attracting this lady and many other people to come and to look at the wisdom and to see the greatness of the Lord, Uh, that Solomon as a believer in that regard had done well in that regard. But of course, there were lots of shortcomings in any case that I'm going to be unveiling very soon. Friends, as believers, God has called us to live a life of a testimony that is meant to attract so many people unto the Lord through us. Essentially, that is what we are meant to live for. When we examine Solomon further, by the way, you get to discover that he actually failed in that regard. The writer of Kings, um, portrays you know God as a sovereign god that has no equal and therefore who has gotten to be worshipped and glorified in every space time and um, extent basically that is his intention but in a sense he condemns the people of Israel for forsaking the Lord initially as their king of kings and also, as their God, because God initially had no intention of giving them a king. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, you're going to realize that it was the intention of God to have these people have a king of their own. But they pushed for it. And God said, Grant them a king. He told Samuel, Grant them a king. So you see that? And what the writer of 1 uh, Kings or the Kings basically does, he shows you that every time men move away from God and seek their own leadership, and seek their own projects and seek their own, you know, will, they are going to lose it. So what the writer actually shows you is he moves from the very best of kings, who is David, of course, who had succeeded Saul, to men like Solomon, and later it even gets watered down. And it shows you that men cannot get fulfilled in the presence of their own agendas and wills and projects men are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, men are fulfilled in the King of Kings. Later you're going to see that many kings fail, including Solomon himself, and therefore one king after the other come and go, and they they still are unable to live the way that God had wanted. This is why God later comes up with a super divine plan of having the son of David who is jesus christ in luke 1 31 who comes and reigns with righteousness and we are going to see him in zechariah being sold just like this woman came to seek at the wisdom of solomon but basically the lord in solomon so in that regard you could say initially solomon and um it to to an extent done well but he actually lost it where do i derive that from i'm going to tell you that very soon when the queen of sheba came and perceived the wisdom of solomon the house that he had built and everything that he did, she goes right ahead to say, mm, "What they told me was not uh, was not even half of what I go to I, I go to see when I came." Yeah, in verse seven, that is what she says. She says, "Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen seen it." And behold, the half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity. Now look at the statement, a phenomenal statement that this lady makes in verse 9. She says, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. That is phenomenal. If it comes from an unbeliever as you want to believe. But it is quite You know, impressive here to the point that the word that the the, the lady means or uses to refer to the God of Solomon, uh, the name that she uses is a name that points to one who has a personal relationship with a redeeming covenant-keeping God. We have every reason to believe that uh, this woman um, could have come to faith in a sense. Now, when you uh, transit and go to uh, Matthew chapter 12, and we get to look at uh, what the Lord has here to say. When Jesus was speaking of the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel at that particular time, that did not uh, trust him as much, um, he gives them the sign of Jonah. But look at what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 12. The verse I want is uh, um, 42, but I'm going to take it from 39 for a proper perspective. Look at what he says here. Um and let me just take it from verse 40. He says here that um, uh, so just as the tears are gathered up and burnt with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and uh, they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks. Um, no. I'm reading chapter 13. Excuse me. Uh, what is this? I am meant to read a chapter uh, 12. Yes, that was a Misa. Okay, we are here. Matthew chapter 12 in verse, let me take it from verse um, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees say to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adult transgeneration craves for a sign and yet no sign will be given to it by the sign of Jonah the prophet. So, um, for just as jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the men of nineveh will stand up with the generation with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of jonah and behold something greater than jonah is here the queen of the south will rise up with this generation at judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of solomon and behold something greater than solomon is here uh, praise the lord friends we get to realize here that the context of scripture that the lord is basically uh, giving here is a uh, uh, one of people that were are not exactly believing in the lord you know Matthew few teachers by way of discourses and basically uh, chapter 12 uh, comes on uh, the basis of um, uh, the discourse of um um the disciples reaching out to um it's a narrative that follows the discourse of the disciples reaching out to um, the, 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 reaching out to preach the gospel so you get to see that what god is speaking about here is he gives us the response to the gospel and uh, basically here gets these jews for not having faith even when they had something that was greater than anything else in terms of uh, inducing faith. He tells them that you're looking for signs, but something that's greater than the signs that you look for here is here. I am here, I'm the Messiah. He is saying that uh, you people, you basically need to come to faith and just believe basically that. And then in verse 42, like you heard, he speaks of the Queen of the South who came to hear um of Solomon's wisdom, and we don't know of anyone else that came to do that, even when there were so many, but basically this description fits um, the queen of Sheba who came to Solomon and uh, basically to behold his glory, and in the process encountered um, you know, the glory of Solomon's God. So for me, I really believe this lady was a believer or was transformed by what a Solomon got uh, to, to, to say and to do to her. I, I, I mean, with uh, uh, to get to expose her to and you know uh, that that kind of thing. Friends, as believers, we are called to live a life of a testimony, a life that is going to touch so many other people and win them for the Lord. But pathetically, in our experience, you get to see that many of us believers have lived uh, to the contrary. When you look at Matthew chapter five in verse uh, thirteen and fourteen, and we did this recently, but is Um, something that you cannot overlook in this kind of exposition. He says in Matthew 5.13 that you are the salt of the earth. And Jesus was addressing his disciples. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trumped underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see that? God has created us for his glory. He has also given us a mission that we are meant to be the salt of the earth, and is using this as a um, you know, a metaphor here, and it shows you that salt has preser- uh, preser- um, pre- p- preservative qualities, and uh, when, when it is uh, kind of put, say, in meat, it is it is preserved, it won't go bad. Now, we've come into a rotten world, and God has left us down here on earth. In John 17, when Jesus is praying on his way back to heaven, he says, uh, Lord, I am, um, I am not saying that you remove them from the world. You know, keep them in the world, but keep them from from sin. You you see that? He leaves us here and is sure that we can be his divine ambassadors, like St. Paul writes in... um, in uh, second Corinthians 5 20 we can be his divine ambassadors and we are protected by uh, his immunity uh you know in a sense and therefore he is sure just like an ambassador in a foreign land is protected by international law and has all these privileges he is sure that we can surely be able to do a good job when we live down here on earth you see that and he says we are the light of the earth In other words, we are meant to shine in the darkness when St. John is writing about the world, you, you know, he 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 points to it as a, a foreign system that is in in the darkness he says that now this is the conundrum that the light has come into the darkness but the world the people have chosen darkness he points to the world as as a darkness but our light is meant to shine in there but friends i want to tell you that disappointingly many of us believers have you know behaved and portrayed ourselves in a way that actually takes away from the lord than adding unto him He says in Isaiah that my people whom I've created for my glory, Isaiah 43, 7, but friends look at the way that we conduct ourselves at our workplaces, and people are even shocked to get to know that we are believers. We're in a gathering somewhere, and one time someone said, hey, so you mean this one is born again? And people were amazed because (laughs) this one that was speaking, the one that was speaking was a stranger, and the one he was speaking about was known to be born again in his circles, but where he hung, he hung up with the, these other people, they didn't know that was born again. I mean, how many of us are even bored enough at our workplaces to get people to know that we are born again how many of us are willing to share the gospel with the people that we work with i mean we are so cocooned up to the point that we feel it is a shame to share about christ or even because of the things that we do the deals in which we are involved the extramarital relationships into which we are known to hang and these kind of things our attitude and the high lofty lives that we are living and the pretentious and cosmetic lives that we are living do not permit us to shine for Christ. And you see that? What a loss that Christ has had with us, all his goodness. You know, Christ oftentimes, or the Lord releases his majesty, his splendor, his glory, his blessings upon our lives, not for the sake of us enjoying them, just enjoying them, but also to let him be glorified and to be known before other people. But look at how we people are behaving. I mean, how many of us are conflicting with our mothers, with our brothers, with our sisters in the clans where we come from and they're like, even the local is involved, that kind of stuff. You see, how many of us have gotten born again and gone back to our villages where we come from, to our families, to these people that are not born again and wooed them and won them for Christ, especially with our character, even before you preach a single word. How many of us, we are simply saying they are diviners, we won't go to them. We are simply saying they are into witchcraft, those people are into polygamy. I have separated myself. You know, God says, come out of them, excuse me. Is that the proper conduct uh, 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 context of that scripture? God has commissioned us first of all to our families, you know, and, and 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 not just by preaching to them, but also by our character, that they will see what we do. May the Lord have mercy, because I think we've not done very well as far as this is concerned, friends. When we look at Solomon, he eventually did not do well in this area. Later on, we're going to see that in in chapter 10 from verse 21, verse 23, and verse 27, he accumulated a lot of gold for himself to the point that a silver appeared like common stone in his generation. Later, we see that Solomon accumulated a lot of um, chariots and horses for himself. In in chapter 11, verse 4, we see that he he accumulated women. The daughters of Eve were a point of challenge for Solomon. A thousand is what he had for himself. You see? And when we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 17, you're going to realize that this was barred by the Lord. God said that no king should accumulate um, um, gold. And, and silver, and, and chariots, and, and and horses for himself, and uh, women. And Solomon broke every bit and piece of that law. So you get to see that uh, in that regard, Solomon was actually not a good steward of the gospel of Christ. And friends, this is uh, how uh, later on uh, Christ Himself has to come. And uh, in John, in uh, Luke chapter one and verse thirty-one, uh, Christ comes to assume the throne of His. Uh, son david yeah david was uh, so and christ or jesus christ was the son of david and solomon was a son of david i think you get to see the difference in every regard christ comes to fulfill everything that uh, this man particularly failed uh, to uh, fulfill in the book of zechariah in chapter 14 we realize um, the sense in which uh, the um the image here uh, that Solomon was portraying and the sense in which he failed. And then uh, the people that are also coming in place of um, uh, this uh, queen of uh, Sheba. When we go to uh, Zechariah chapter 14, uh, and the Bible teaches in verse 9. Here it says that uh, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one all the land will be changed into a plain from Giba to Ramon, south of jerusalem but jerusalem will rise and remain on its side from benjamin's gate as far as the place of the first gate to the corner gate and from the tower of hanel hananel to the king's wine presses people will live in it and uh, there will no longer be a curse uh, to uh, for jerusalem would dwell in security now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples uh, who have gone to war against Jerusalem with flesh will not their flesh will not will rot while they stand on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets what and their tongue will rot in their mouth it will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them and they will say one another's hand, and the hand of one will be lifted against the the, the hand of another. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and uh, the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered, gold and silver, and camels, in great abundance. So also, like uh, this plague would be the plague on the horns, the mule, and the camel. Verse 16, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Both. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. Friends, I can't find a better scripture than this uh, that explains the need for the Savior. Now, what Zechariah is basically pointing to are the millennium days. Solomon was a type of Christ in a sense, but he failed pathetically uh, because uh people or the queen of sheba came to see the glory of the lord upon him but what we are seeing here in the millennium days is that people shall eventually have to come and that jerusalem shall be raised over each and every position or place in uh on on earth and then people shall come by their hundreds and they thousands and millions and they shall come and they're basically coming to worship the lord when you start isaiah chapter 2 from verse 1 you're going to realize that they are coming for the lord to teach them how they must live and they are coming to see the majesty and the splendor of the king friends today i want to tell you that this greatness and glory of the lord is in christ jesus in the book of colossians in the piece of colossians and uh, chapter 1 in verse 18 you discover that um as far as god is concerned he says he's also um um, in verse 19 he says uh, that for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him you see so the fullness of the lord dwells in christ jesus and everything makes sense in him the glory and majesty of the splendor of the lord is in christ jesus in hebrews 1 3 says his fullness is in him and um, friends today if you want to see the lord and want to see the glory of the lord it is in christ jesus and as christ sees in us the glory of the lord is meant to be illuminated to the world through us but look at how we are living friends how are you failing to shine for the lord in your testimony what things are you doing and they're not right there are many things that people see us doing and uh, they are either uh, frustrated and uh, pathetically sent away from us and from the lord Oh, they are drawn to the Lord. Let me tell you, you have so many silent admirers for those of you that are living for the Lord. The day you mess up is when you realize that many people are looking up to you. Today, I pray that God will make make us vessels of his glory, uh, that it will shine forth to the nations, uh, wherever we shall live. May the Lord sit in our lives and deal with any weakness that may be in our lives. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Father, touch us and help us to live for you and help us to deal with anything that doesn't glorify your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed and believed. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.